Well, all of us have been through stressful times in our life. Uh, this, I had a thought not long ago that I'll reveal to you here in a second, but uh, this thought kept coming to me this week, and I thought, okay, God, I'll go with it. Maybe there's someone that needs to hear this word. Uh, we all have times of stress, anxiety filled times in our life, trials that seem to just go on and on and on, those unanswered prayers that just keep going on and on and on. And these can be some of the most difficult times in life. I remember when we were living down in Winchester and God called me into the senior pastorate ministry and um, we ended up going up to Columbus for our first pastorate, but we still had a home to sell down in Kentucky. And it had been up for sale for a while and it still was not sold. And we knew that we did not want to make double payments, if you know what I mean. Those are not fun times. We knew we had a mortgage payment down there plus a rental up in Columbus. And we moved anyways, trusting God and knowing that he was going to do something. But those were tough times. And it, we were living in Columbus and, and pastoring up there and we, for several months, and we still had a home that was not sold. Some of you have been there. You know how difficult that is, and you're just, uh, we were just waiting any days. Is this the day that we're going to get the call that it's finally been sold? And uh, for day after day it went on. God finally came through, but what a stressful time that was. You know, we've often said that God, uh, you know, he helps us in all of our trials, but when it really gets tough is when it, it's not quick, when it's not over just like that. Whenever it just goes on and on and on. And I'm learning that, unfortunately, life is filled with these types of times. Life is filled with these types of tests, needs, and burdens that seemingly go unanswered. And I would venture to guess that in any congregation, any church right now, there are some individuals who you're going through something right now. It just is not ending. It just continues to be going on and on and on. It might be a job situation. Maybe you're looking for a job, and that job just hasn't come. Or maybe you're trying to get out of the job that you have. I remember that. Whenever I was here years ago, I worked up in Akron, and uh, it was. they said at the time I worked for a long-distance telephone company, and at the time, aside from policemen and firemen and, 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 and all that, emergency-type jobs, they said the job that I was in was the, the one of the most stressful jobs in America. And I was right in the heart of it, and I was desperate to get out of it. And month after month went by, and nothing came through. Maybe there's an ongoing illness. Maybe you're dealing with a wayward child. Maybe there's an unresolved relationship or dilemma at work. Uh, Finances. Finances uh, can cause enormous strain and stress and lives that just never seem to be resolved. And so when we go through these times of, of, of life that it ne- is never ending, what do we do to get through it? What do we do to get through it? Well, we know that what we do is have Ryan help me with the first slide is what we do. Ryan, you want to help me with the first slide? Maybe. Maybe. You want to you advance it for me? Can you do that for me? I got it turned on. Ah, I just saw something click. 
Can you advance it for me? You can't. So is it up there or it's just not coming through? Oh, that's okay. This is good because get your Bibles ready because we're going to be going a lot. Um, sorry, this is the first time that's happened. Maybe God wants this to be this way anyways. Uh, we're not turning to a scripture right. Oh, there we go. Treat Ryan well. Um, that's what we do, right? We pray. I mean, we pray. Um, that's what we do. We pray and we pray a lot. But recently, this is the thought that came to me. I thought, what happens after we pray? What happens after we say amen? The title of my message, I guess, could be, During times of uncertainty and difficulty, how do we live? Can you advance the next one? I'm just going to point to you, Ryan. How do we live between the amens? How do we live between the amens? What do I mean by that? When we have a a stressful situation that goes unanswered or we find ourselves playing the waiting game, we naturally go into times of prayer. And many times whenever I go into these times, and I think you would probably agree with me on this, uh, those times to where you can just pour your heart out to God. He knows what you're going through. And you can, you know, just for a moment, you can give your burdens to Him and unload on Him and you don't have to worry. You don't have to fret because you know that you know that you know that He hears you. But I don't know about you, but sometimes in my past, in my life, whenever I'm going through a time like that, I know that in a few moments, the prayer is going to end. And I'm going to say that word, Amen. Then what? Then what? Do you know what I'm talking about? Then what? I say amen, and how do we go on living until the next time that we pray? How do I live between the amens? Look, this, this might not be the most exciting, jaw-dropping message that you're going to hear from me. But listen to me. If you can... If you can pick up on what we're going to talk about today, I guarantee you it will help you survive some of the most difficult times you will ever have in your life. Because if you haven't had them, then they're coming. They're coming. And maybe you'll be able to say amen to the different points that we're going to make today. Grasp these things and they'll get you through some of life's roughest seas. As briefly as I can here, I'm going to talk about five things that you must remember in order to live between the amens. This first one, this first one's going to be a duh, but we have to start off with this. Ryan, go ahead, brother. Believe and have faith. Believe and have faith. You see, many times what we do is we become filled with anxiety and fear. Uh, and then we pray, we give it to God, and then we say, Amen. And once we get up off our knees, or once we say, Amen, no sooner have we said, Amen, do we find ourselves filling up once again with that same anxiety and fear, right? You know what I'm talking about. It happens after the Amen. Sometimes we don't give it to God during our prayer. 
Let me just say right up front that it is not God's desire to make life miserable for you. That is not his desire at all. Ryan, next. For actually, he says, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Did you notice, though, the conditional statement at the end of that verse? Did you notice that? No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. See, there's our part. We have to make sure that we're walking in the ways of the Lord and he won't withhold any good thing from us. That's right. It's conditional. I'm reminded of, let's see if this thing's working now. It's not. Go ahead, Ryan. I'm reminded of the story of Sarah and Abraham. When God told Abram that it would be through his seed, through his lineage, that a great nation would be born, Abraham was 75 years old. And I believe Sarah was 66 years old. Then when God visited Abraham with the angels years later in Genesis 18, you don't have to turn there, but to confirm the birth of a son, Abraham was 99 years old. And Sarah was 90 years old. Remember the ages that I just told you about before? You've heard this uh, analogy before several times. Folks, that's nearly 25 years later. Do you think they had given up hope? Do you think they just might possibly be discouraged during those 24, 25 years? As a matter of fact, those of you who know this story, you know that when the three angels told Abraham that Sarah, your wife, will have a son, what do scriptures tell us that she did? She laughed. She laughed. Why did she laugh? I believe because she had given up. She had long given up hope that this promise was ever going to happen. Not to mention that she was just 90 years of age. She was just slightly past child-rearing, bearing days. <laughs> Every once in a while, Stephanie and I will be around people and, and we have something to tell them. Hey, we have something to tell you all. And we'll say, we're pregnant. No, no. That, we laugh at that. We joke at that and those kind of things. She was 90. And she heard on the other side of the tent, she heard, your wife Sarah will come with child. And she laughed. She thought, you got to be kidding me. Perhaps she even allowed herself to become a little cynical, a little bitter over the years. That happens, doesn't it? When there's a trial, when there's a burden that goes unanswered and goes on and on and on. We can get cynical, can't we? Get bitter. Especially when Hagar gave Abraham Ishmael. God knew and God heard Sarah laugh behind the tent because in verse 13, God said, why did Sarah laugh? You see, God knows and he sees everything. He sees our faith. He sees the times when we have faith and he sees the times when we don't have faith as well. He too knows when we laugh, when we become discouraged. He knows how difficult it is to not be cynical or bitter. He knows when we've given up on him and when we are tempted to take matters into our own hands. 
And after this, the angels responded in the verses already up there for you. They said, is anything too hard for the Lord? Pastor Kevin referred to this in his prayer. Listen, again, this is not, you're not going to walk away. Go, man, I've never heard a message like that before, but I guarantee you, you apply it to your life, you will get through. Not just get through, you will get through victoriously. See, there's a difference, folks. There's a difference between getting through a trial victoriously versus getting through something with bitterness. Getting through with scars that are unhealed or open wounds that are not healed. There's a difference. There's a difference. Is anything too hard for our God? Now stop. This right here is the essence. In our times of unanswered prayers, times of waiting and wondering, we must Cling to that promise is anything too hard for our God. Now, when we hear this, it's easy to say, Amen, praise the Lord. We believe that, right? We can do that. But it's not just a glorious truth. It's also a challenge. It's a challenge. You see, it's not just enough for us to believe this to be true, but when we're going through something difficult, it never ends. Is it true for us right then and there? Or is it just a nice scripture verse and a nice story or fable of the Bible? It's not a fable, it's a true story. We must believe this promise to be true for us. You must have faith. You must believe. You must trust. Notice that it says, is anything is anything too difficult, too hard for the Lord? Listen. That thing that is in your life, if it falls in line with what we know to be His expressed will, even if we know that it is of such utter impossibility, We laugh at the absurdity of anyone supposing that it's going to happen. God will bring it to pass. He will bring it to pass. That thing that God intends to do for us, if we will let Him by getting out of the way, letting Him work, and if we believe, He will do. Do you believe that? Yeah. Let me say that again. That thing in your life, if God intends to do, He will do if we will get out of the way, if we will let God be God, and if we will believe. Is anything too hard for the Lord, not when we believe in Him enough to go forward and do His will? And let Him do the impossible for us. Listen, I truly believe that if Abraham and Sarah had not ultimately believed, if they would have continued to disbelieve, they could have blocked God's plan for their life. You see, they still had a free will. They still had a choice, just as we do. For the only thing that is too hard for our God is deliberate, continued disbelief in His love, His power, His ability, and His assurance that He will one day answer our prayers. He knows what you're going through. And he will answer in his time and in his way and according to his will. 
Now, this first point, I, I stayed a little bit longer in this first point. This first point had to be brought out because when you believe God can do anything, when you have that faith, it affects everything else in life. Everything else in your life will be, be a result out of your faith and your belief in God. That's number one. You must believe. You must have faith. Now we're going to go back to kind of what we talked about. Number two, continue in prayer. Continue in prayer. Another duh statement. But now that we believe, our prayer life will be altered. We'll pray with greater conviction, with greater assurance. We'll pray with greater power and confidence and patience as we endure unanswered prayer. You see, you don't have faith if you don't believe, if you don't trust, then your prayer life is going to be weak. Your prayer, our prayer life is going to be pathetic, right? If we just go through and not sure if God's going to be able to work through all this, and if we doubt God, then there's no power at all in that. Proverbs 15.29, The Lord is far from the wicked, but He hears the prayer of the righteous. Have you ever had times to where you're saying, God, where are you? God, are you even hearing my prayer? Yes, you have. There's a promise right there for you. He hears. He knows. Matthew 7, 7 through 8, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. It doesn't say ask and it may be given to you or it may, you may find it. No. It will be given to you. You will find it. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, seek, and knock in such a way that you know that you believe God has already answered. It's hard to do, though, isn't it? God is not wanting great men and women. He's wanting men and women who will dare to prove the greatness of their God. All of us can do that, church. Are, are you hearing me today? Is this message just for me? No? You're hearing me? Okay. God's not wanting great men and women, just those who approve the greatness of his God. Here's something that goes back to my first point. In your prayers, make sure that you do not limit God either. Whether it's by unbelief, or by thinking you know what he can and can't do. Or by the size of your prayers. Don't limit God. I think we've all done that at times. And yes, are you saying, can God be limited? Well, yes, he can. Remember the story of Jesus when he was in his own hometown of Nazareth? And it said that he had to leave his own people. He had to leave his own hometown. He wasn't able to do hardly anything. Why? Because of their unbelief. He wasn't able to do anything. Your belief, my belief, is crucial in getting through this unending trial that we may be going through. Number three, get into the Word of God. Get into the Word of God. All right, in case you need to be woken up a little bit, I'm going to try and wake you up. Uh, I need some canes this morning. Who has a cane? I need a cane. Anybody? Bob, I'll take your cane. Barb, take this, take this. I got your attention now, don't I? 
about it. Okay. You want these back? No, just kidding. No, you don't want them back, do you? No. Yeah. Just as a visual, as a visual, what do I mean by this? Obviously, these canes represent help that we need from time to time in our life. Ryan, put that next verse up there. Psalm 23, 4. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What do I mean by that? Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. For a believer, the Word of God is our rod and our staff. His word is a staff that we can lean on in those times when we need help. When we desperately need help. When life is at its most difficult, we can go to his word. And see, this is where that first point is important, right? When we believe, when we trust, when we have faith, then all of a sudden when we begin to read his word, all of a sudden it's, 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 it's a staff that will help us at that time that we need it most. When we need it most. For example, I mean, when we faced impending danger or potential life-altering news, we can go to this verse. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. Or when it seems as if your trial will never end. You can look at this verse. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's a big verse that Steffi and I have clung to down through the years. A big verse. I would have lost heart. Would have lost heart. I'll just use these. What if it seems as though you're just filled with anxiety and fear and they're about to overwhelm you, fear and anxiety? You don't know that you can handle much more? Go to this next verse. When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. Other, other translations say when anxiety was great about me, your comfort, your consolation gave me great joy Next verse. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. There have been times to where that verse right there has been my staff, has been my rod in order to lean on. Everything in me is leaning on that verse right there. You notice you will keep him in perfect peace. God, I'm filled with anxiety. I'm filled with fear. God, I need your help. And he says, Brock, keep your mind on me. Trust in me. And whenever I began to do that, okay, God, I got it. And his peace floods our heart. See what I mean? God's word. Basic stuff, folks. But whenever we use it, when we apply it to our life, it's liberating what else? When you're tempted to trust solely in others or what you think is best, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. 
but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. Even in times of death, we are heartbroken. Our former pastor, Mitchell Birch, or not, not former pastor, but Pastor Mitchell Birch, who lost his wife in a car wreck a couple weeks ago. I don't know what he's going through. My heart just aches for him. Ryan, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And then there's one more verse. For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Don't underestimate the power of God's Word. The wife of Martin Luther once said this, quote, I'd never known what such and such things meant. In such and such psalms, such complaints and workings of the Spirit I had never understood the practice of Christian duties had God not brought me under some affliction. Look, I'm just, I'm just going to say this without judgment. But if you can look at some of those verses and they do nothing for you, you've not allowed them to be applied to your life. You've not allowed them to be a staff and a rod in your greatest times of need. Probably what you have done because I've done it at times too, probably what you have done is you have leaned on the staff of your spouse or leaned on the staff of your children or leaned on the staff of your job to get your mind off the situation. Some people are leaning on the staff of alcohol. Some people are leaning on the staff of drugs. Some people are leaning on anything but the Lord. And they wonder why they have no peace. They wonder why they're having such a hard time getting through this unending trial. I'm telling you, God's word never change. God's word will get you through the roughest of times. I would jump right now, but I would baptize Kevin and Kelsey on the front row with this water. I'm trying. When we face a never-ending trial and we approach God's word of with faith and trust and eyes wide open, God's word comes alive. These are all rods and staffs that we can pick up and lean on whenever we need them. Let me speak for just a few moments about something that every single one of us has faced, especially during those never-ending trials. It's something that will zap the spiritual and at times physical strength right out of you. And it's our next point, number four, discouragement. Someone may have come in this morning with a smile on your face, but inside you're discouraged. This is what happens when you face an unending trial, something God was never going to end. When you become discouraged, there's no fight in you. There's no will to go on. There's no reason to even get up in the morning. It's almost like having a hundred pound weight on each shoulder and then you put a hundred pound weight on each leg and life is just laborious and it's so hard. Listen to me. Do not yield to this foe no matter how you may be feeling. 
Discouragement is a huge weapon of the enemy. For a discouraged soul is a helpless soul. And a discouraged soul, dare I say, is a worthless soul. See, a soul, a, a soul that's discouraged cannot resist the arrows of the enemy, nor can they be of any real use in the kingdom if they stay discouraged. Flee from any symptom of discouragement as quickly as you would flee from a snake. How do you do this, Ryan? Look for the silver lining in your situation. Look for the silver lining in your situation. And keep looking at it. See, you have a choice right now. As you're looking at that picture, you can look at two things. You can either look at the silver lining or you can look at the immense dark gray cloud, right? You have a choice. No matter how immense the gray is that surrounds it, look at the silver lining. And where do you find God's silver linings? We just talked about it, his word and his promises. Look, I have a whole bunch of them in my office. If you want one, come see me after service. I'll get you. We'll order more if we have to. There are books on just the promises of God. Whatever situation you find yourself going through, uh, worry, doubt, fear, uh, death, uh, mourning, whatever it is, there are promises that are specific to your situation. I'll give them to you. Make them near and dear to you. God's word and his promises. And when you find one that speaks to your trial, say, this is my promise. This is mine. And don't let it go. Don't let it go. I've said this many times. I'll probably say it until the day that I die. God is a gentleman, and gentlemen never back out on their promise. He has never failed, and he never will. And on this point, lastly, realize that the enemy, the enemy will oftentimes use discouragement to take us down. Even after you've gone to the Word of God and you pour out your heart to the Lord, ask Him, look, the Word of God says that we can take authority over the enemy. We can take authority over a spirit of discouragement. Whenever you've gone to his word, you've gone to him in prayer and you're still struggling, ask God to rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And it has to flee. But remember, he will keep you in perfect peace when your mind is fixed on him. Don't let your mind wander. This is now living between the amens. This is now how we get, this is how we live life. Between the amens. Your mind. And when you do this, it will not take long for the Holy Spirit to come and minister to you and give you refreshing waters. You remember when Jesus spent the 40 days in the wilderness, right before his ministry was really launched, and he withstood the attacks of the enemy, the attacks of Satan. And how did he, how did he attack him? How did he uh, uh, rebuff him? With the word of God. Everything that Jesus said uh, as a temptation, he responded back with the word of God. And when they were done, it says that the angels came and ministered unto Jesus. You do this. You do what Jesus did. You pray to your heavenly Father with faith and belief and trust. You go to God's word. It's just a matter of time before the Holy Spirit's going to minister unto you. Last point, and then I'm done. God's ultimate goal here. God's ultimate goal. Next verse. 
My brethren, I used this on Wednesday, I think. My brethren, count on all joy when you fall into various trials. We don't like to hear this, do we? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. What does that mean? Let me say this and then we'll close. God is wanting to do more than just meet your need. Between the amens, God is wanting to craft something within you that doesn't exist. Something that's not there before God's wanting to do a new work in you. Isaiah 41.15 says, I will make thee a new sharp threshing instrument. What does that mean? He's making us. He's creating something new within us. A bar of steel, a bar of steel just by itself is worth about $5. But whenever it's changed into a horseshoe, it's worth about $10. If you take that same bar of steel and make pins, pin needles out of it, it's worth $350. Take that same bar of steel and make knife blades for pin knives. That steel is now worth $32,000. And then when you take that same bar of steel and you make springs for watches, that bar of steel is now worth $250,000. But the bar of steel had to undergo the most difficult of pressures and changes to get to this priceless metal. God is wanting to do something inside of you during this trial. When God made man, he said, let us make man in our own image. Listen, that process did not stop the day of creation. If we are to be like God, if we are to, not God, that's that's the lie that the enemy gave, but if we are to be like God, if we are to walk like God, if we are to talk like God, if we're going to think like God, if we're going to be like God, that process of changing us must continue on. And sometimes the only way that he can get the right fruits out of us is if he sends us through the press. Is if he sends us through a trial that doesn't seem to end because we have a choice every day whether or not we're going to trust him, whether or not we're going to believe in him, whether or not we're going to go to his word. Allow him to produce those fruits in us. How do we live between the amen? How do we function and survive or thrive during life's most challenging times? Trust. Dick, if you want to come up. Joyce, if you would come up. I don't know what song they've picked. I'm going to end with this story, this illustration. Some of you may have heard us tell this. She's not here this morning, so I maybe have a little bit more freedom. But my mother-in-law, when she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer uh, and back in February, and we knew the only thing to do was total hysterectomy. When she came out of the surgery, it was a rather grim situation. It was a difficult time. 
I remember when Chuck and Stephanie and Junior, they were back in the ICU room with Mert just after surgery, and Barbie and I and the rest of the family, we were out in the waiting room. And when we were out there in the waiting room, we prayed. And then soon the three came out, Chuck and Chuck Jr. and Stephanie, they came back out. Not long after that, the doctor, the ICU doctor came out and he said the next 48 hours is critical. When those words come out of a doctor's mouth, it shakes your foundation a little bit. And what do we do? We prayed. We prayed. And when we were done praying, it was almost as if we, we, we didn't know what to do. What do we do now? Life between the amens. What do we do now? Do we stay? Do we go? Do we stand? Do we sit? Do we go get something to eat? We can't do that. How, how can we do Let's pray some more. Let, let's, pray, let's pray some more. And Chuck, my father-in-law, said something I will never forget in my entire life. He said this. And maybe this is where some of you need to be right now. Chuck said, we have prayed and God has heard our prayers. And he said, now let's act like it. That's good. That's deep. God has heard our prayers. Now let's act like it. You do these things. I don't know where you're at. Uh, Maybe this has hit just one person. Maybe it's two. Maybe it's everyone. I don't know. I'm looking at the time. We're going to sing this song. We're just going to open up the altar, and I'm not going to delay this. Maybe there's someone here this morning. You're going through an unending trial, and you're not doing very well living between the amens. You're okay when you're praying or when others are praying for you, but as soon as that amen is said, you're, you're back to confusion or doubt and fear. Maybe you need to do business this morning. Would you bow your heads, please? God, thank you. Lord, I've often heard people on the other side, uh, on the other side of a difficulty and a trial, they, they will say, I will never want to go through that again, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. God, I've said that at times because, Lord, it just, draw, it just brought me closer because it dropped me to my knees. God, it's about trust. Lord, if there's someone here this morning that's not doing very well at living between the amens, God, they can get victory this morning. I pray that they would allow you to minister to them. Lord, maybe it's belief and it's faith and it's trust. Maybe they've not been showing that. Maybe they've not been praying with great faith and trust. Or maybe someone here this morning needs to just thank you for what they know you're going to do. They don't know the specifics. They don't know the details, but they know you're going to do something. Lord, maybe they just need to thank you. Maybe there's someone here that needs to dig more into your word and make it more a part of their life. Find those promises and cling to them. Tie a knot at the end of that rope. Just hang on to it with all that they have. God, maybe there's someone here this morning that is overcome with discouragement and they can't go on. God, it's, it's a ploy, it's a weapon, it's a tool of the enemy that's trying to keep them down. God, help them to look up to you and to realize that you have a plan and a purpose that you are going to move in this situation. They just got to hang on and believe. God, ultimately, you're wanting to change all of us. You're wanting to do a great work in all of us. 
Father, thy will be done. We thank you. May we be obedient to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Dick, what page in your hand? Number 643. 643. If you would stand, please. We're just going to do a couple verses of this. If God is speaking to you, be obedient. There's victory for you this morning. Learning to lean. Learning to lean. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. Finding more power than 